0: listening to Voices of Family, a monthly podcast series from the BC Council for Families. Each month, we bring you thought-provoking discussions with notable figures and frontline workers in the family service community. Voices of Family takes you inside family services to hear what's new and on the horizon, making life better for BC families.
1: Hello, this is David Scheftel speaking. I am the program coordinator for the Father Involvement Network of BC, and I am here speaking with David Long. Uh, David is in town to speak at a conference that we're doing in Vancouver here. Uh, David is a professor of sociology at King's University College in Edmonton, and he has done uh, really interesting research into Fathers and, and masculinity and men's health and a number of different areas. So, you know, you, you talk about the, you know, so many of these big changes, trends, and, and just real shifts in, in the way we look at families and what we expect, that there seems not to be what used to be a, a one-player model of, of what it means to be a father in North America. Sure. So what what would you say, you know, what, what are some of the, the the things that, what are some of the, the effects or what's what the impact on the average dad? How does he huh. handle that? What does it mean to him?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um, I often hear, now, because I'm not a service provider. I mean, I'm a university professor at MIT. Um, but uh, I've also been a dad for over 20 years, uh, and I'm really struck by the resiliency of dads. Uh, I mean, I hear that a lot about children. Children are wonderfully resilient. Well, actually, I think it's human beings. Human beings are wonderfully resilient. Uh, and and so while we have those uh, cultural expectations, uh, we have the demands and, and pulls that we feel on us in very different circumstances, right? You know, like I don't want to—I don't want listeners to get this sense that I'm talking about one kind of father because it's anything but. Um, and, and in fact, I think I would say that if there's an awareness that I hope we come to, which I think most of us know, but necessar- don't necessarily. Know, know how to play it out in our lives, um, is that we are all unique. And and so uh, my family is wonderfully unique. Now, the challenge I'm faced with as a dad is then I feel very alone. I, I, I believe I'm the only one going through this. If uh, And so if there aren't obvious service opportunities provided to me, if there aren't programs provided for me that are obvious, that are welcoming, and that are inviting, uh, then then I live alone, right? I, I mean, I might talk about my kids when I'm at work, which I hear all dads doing, um, and uh, you know, I might really enjoy, you know, revel in watching my kids play soccer or be in the choir or dance or. Playing pickup uh, basketball at the schoolyard, succeeding academically, or doing their best, whatever, um, and and having that sense of pride of, of fathers, like I, I may have that, um, but not knowing how to get support in in uh, in a context that goes beyond just an immediate meeting, mm-hmm. or that is in some formal setting that's three hours long every Wednesday night in which I have to read a book or, uh, you know, disclose myself to, to strangers, um, that I'm not going to do it because that's not the life I live. It's not how I've learned what it means to be a man. Uh, but it doesn't mean I don't want support. It doesn't mean I don't want to learn. I think all parents need support in lots of different ways, Um, and the fact that that we're advocating for dads is not saying, you know, let's take resources away from moms. I think it's just trying to acknowledge and and honor the fact that, uh, and, and research overwhelmingly shows this, and I think most of us just know this. Uh, that a, a, a positive, involved, engaged, connected father contributes to the health and well-being of his children and his family and his community. I mean, it's, it's, it's good for us. It's good for all of us.
1: So, you know, as far as delivering support, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it makes sense, you know, to, to ask, you know, what would work for them because it's going to be different in every cultural group and every age group and even between dads in the same cultural group. Yeah. do you do you have any sense of sort of overall what what you know funders should be thinking about, what what kind of policy changes would at least be behind better yeah. supports for dads?
2: I think most men would probably agree is uh, not necessarily a strength, and that's communication. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the research bears out um, that where there is uh, positive, healthy communication between partners, uh, it is much healthier for the children. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know a, a couple of the programs that I've been involved with in Edmonton have emphasized uh, helping learn helping men learn not only how to communicate with their partners, but also with their children. And uh, the, the way in which it's been set up is that uh, there are, I believe it's run for two years now, uh, 20 families involved, 20 fathers. Well, when the program was first getting set up, the, the service providers thought, well, let's just do this for dads and their kids. Well, they went to the fathers and they asked, so, well, what kinds of programs should we set up, and, and uh, that that you and your children would like to do. Quite a number of the dads said, well, why isn't my wife going to be involved? Because they actually came from a culture where that was important, and they didn't want to do something apart from their their wives. Uh, and so there was a dynamic there. I mean, it was said sort of jokingly, but sort of not. It was kind of a reality of the way in which the families ran. Uh, and so what they do actually is they uh, they run outings for them, uh, in which they take the whole family, and it could be the zoo or the museum or the library or uh, a walk through downtown or whatever. Um, and then they have a time where they just separate the dads, uh, and they talk to them about issues facing new immigrant fathers uh, everything from you know their, their children being raised in a pop culture that's highly individualistic and focused on youth, which challenges their their, right, their origins uh, and what do they do with that uh, to disciplining I mean they're not allowed to hit their children here well they were allowed to they were expected to hit people you know sure. some of them where they came from. But the number one benefit in the program that the men talked about was learning how to communicate. Now, that doesn't mean learning how to communicate as a female. Right. Right? And so I mean that's I think a challenge for funders. That's Mm -hmm. that's I think a challenge for program and service providers. Is it's developing a different communication model um, which you know honors where people have come from, honors their cultural and ethnic backgrounds, or religious backgrounds, uh, the dynamics in the relationships, uh, but also recognizes that you know, perhaps where they've come from and who they are has not facilitated good communication. One of the reasons that I think I, I particularly enjoy um, listening to, to people who provide services and listening to people who develop policies and then having a conversation with them, and maybe even challenging them, uh, is I've, I'm, I'm struck by not just the diversity, uh, but also, um, you know, when, when we ask for example, a, a survey that I did in Edmonton uh, just a few years back, we did uh, an enviro scan of services uh, just outside of Edmonton, the plain, the, uh, a scanning of services that were offered for fathers. So one of the questions I asked was, um, you know, what proportion of services do you provide to fathers? Mm -hmm. And so people answered and they said, well, this, you know, we we offer many, many services to fathers. And I said, and what proportion of services that you offer are Mm father-friendly? And every single respondent. And I mean, in that that survey, there were probably, and I know including the city of Edmonton, There were, I believe, about 75 organizations represented serving about 400,000 people over the course of a year. Um, Every single one of them said, wow, that's a really good question. We've never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Well, 70% of the respondents only serve men. (laughs) And so they -hmm. they actually hadn't considered the question. What's a father-friendly service, and what's a male-friendly service, even though that's their clientele? Mm-hmm. If you want to know what men need, ask them. If you want to know what dads need, mm-hmm. ask them.
1: Because they usually know. You know, because we're not asking generally, we're not asking the dads what they need. They don't come right out and, and look for it. They don't sure. go looking for help or support. Yeah. So it's it's an odd uh, dilemma because, you know, and it's hard to explain to funders sure. that, that they're out there yeah. and they would like support.
2: It's also, I would imagine, very difficult to help funders to see that then we need to be creative about the way in which we not just address services to men but the way in which we invite yeah. men. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Men have all kinds of natural networks of support. Uh, fathers have all kinds of natural networks of support. I've coached t-ball. I've coached soccer, community league soccer. Um, I drop my uh, daughters off at school virtually every day. And I see all kinds of dads involved. Now, we don't stop and, and carry on a conversation deep and intimate for three hours but we have a connection, mm-hmm. right? And, and those connections are momentary connections of support which, which men know, mm-hmm. right? And, and so in some ways there might be stuff that's unspoken, but that then can also lead to openings. That can lead mm-hmm. to larger conversations. Uh, and, but that does require then um, not just policy developers, but, but people who are developing services and developing programs to, to be open to think creatively about where are men and, and how do they um, not only support one another, but how do they engage in kind of an invitation, right? Have, you know, how do you invite a man into something? How do you invite a dad into something where he might feel uncomfortable? Well, I guarantee you, if you invite a dad into a playgroup, and there are 16 women there with their toddlers, and he's the only guy. I don't know any woman who would be comfortable mm-hmm. if there were 16 men and their toddlers there, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one example. But but really is sort of being open to, to asking men what's going on and seeing how they actually look like.
1: So, yeah, David, could you could you tell us a little bit about some of the research that, that you've done and, and collected and some of that You've seen I wrote something for the Father Involvement Research Alliance. And,
2: and and in fact, your listeners can go, you probably have links, but they can go to the FIRA website, F-I-R-A, and there's all kinds of resources there, not only research, but also resources. Uh, mine was a policy paper entitled All Dads Matter. and It was towards uh, a vision of social inclusion in Canada services for dads, And I was uh, really interested in the different ways in which uh, different population groups understood fatherhood, uh, the experiences that men had in those population groups, and how, in a sense, the, the communities that are around them and that they're a part of, then support them or envision supporting them. And so, for example, the, 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 the three major population groups that I examined were Aboriginal fathers, uh, Immigrant fathers, and Gay, Bisexual, Transgender fathers. So, for example, um, Gay fathers have to deal with the fact that, well, for many people, just hearing the term Gay father sounds like a contradiction in terms. How can you be gay and a father mm-hmm. if... They have the experience of, okay, finally realizing they need to they need to come out uh, because they haven't. Well, for many, it's Mm. and um, and this is borne out in the research. uh, Many don't uh, for fear of losing Mm -hmm. custody of their children, right? In the case of a divorce or separation, whatever. Uh, And and so that's a dilemma that they face Mm -hmm. that is is very real. Mm -hmm. Now, in contrast, Aboriginal fathers, uh, and now even I say Aboriginal fathers. There's over 660 First Nations mm-hmm. in Canada, uh, so there's tremendous diversity there. The Aboriginal vision of fatherhood isn't in strictly an intact nuclear family; it's a community-oriented vision, and so uh, children are raised by extended family. And and immigrants in Canada, well, that category is just huge, mm-hmm. right? Well, fundamentally different issues that are being faced by those fathers. Well. For me, that raises the question then so, how would service providers approach that mm-hmm. right i mean it's it's not a blanket we can have mm-hmm. a fathering program that will serve the needs of fathers in our community i mean for me um like i'm I'm not in this to in the research that I do and and working with service providers uh To to set an agenda of saying, you know, gee, we we got to impose these sets of values. We have to change these ways of acting or these policies or these structures, etc. I think our our families are sacred. And and there are many different ways in which families are structured. Uh, There are many different kinds of relationships that we call family, that are loving, that are caring, uh, in which adults care for children. Um, I think what we're doing is is trying to say you know, quite unapologetically and fathers are an essential component of that
1: Well that's a great uh, note to finish on I think that's uh, you know, a lot of good ideas that, that you brought up and some interesting information and so thank you appreciate your, uh, your doing this my pleasure thanks okay. thanks David. Thanks, David.
0: That wraps it up for this episode of Voices of Family. Check the BC Council for Families website next month for another episode on the latest in family services at www.bccf.ca. To keep our series relevant and engaging to family service professionals, we're listening to your feedback from the listener survey located on the Learning Network webpage below the podcast player. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and tell us who you'd like to hear interviewed.